So when you have key ecosystem enablers, you can leverage those people as influencers and say, help me get a couple of referrals, talk about us a little bit. Let's do it, host the Twitter space for us. Let's do this together. And just leverage that as a personal brand, irrespective of the fact that you don't create a specific kind of content. Welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. Join your host, Dots Oyobulu, as he learns from CMOs, seasoned marketers, and agency owners about the state of marketing, strategic marketing insights, and actionable steps for growth. Connect the dots and enjoy the latest episode. This episode is brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. If you're a business needing content promotion, podcast campaign production, or are looking to build effective B2B marketing strategies, Dots is here to offer you ultimate marketing leadership and expertise. Find out more at www.dotslovesmarketing.com. Hi, marketers. This is Dots, and welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast. With me here is Peace Itimi, Director of Marketing at Smile Identity. And we will be talking about the relevance of the press in effective B2B content marketing strategies. I know you guys are ready, so let's get it. Peace, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you, Docs. That's a really great intro. I should learn to be that eloquent when I do my own YouTube videos. Yeah, great. I'm so excited to do this. And again, it's been an honor chatting you today. So listeners can't wait to hear more about you or for those watching, see more about you. So could you please tell us about yourself, your background, your role, and how did you get to where you are today? Which is a very good place anyway. Thank you. So my name is Peace, like you rightly said. Currently, I am Director of Marketing at a Series B startup called Smile Identity, and we provide identity verification solutions across over 52 countries in Africa and 100 countries globally. So any company who needs to identify, verify their customers can leverage Smile Identity product. Before Smile Identity, I have done a lot of great stuff, a lot of marketing stuff for other early stage startups in the tech ecosystem. So I've worked for I've changed. I've worked for Stacks, which is a product owned by Hover, which is now open source. I headed marketing for Corapi, payment infrastructure company in Lagos at some point as well. I worked with Sitstars as a global good marketing manager and as a good mentor. So that's what my leech, my lateral marketing career has been. But outside of that, I do a lot of mentorship. So mentor on the Sitstars Growth Program. I'm a mentor with the Google Black Founders Fund as well. So I started doing that recently. I am a content creator as well. So I have a YouTube channel where I create content. I teach a lot on business and marketing, on life lessons, but I also have a show on there called Thumbs Connect where I interview African founders and operators building amazing tech products. That's me so far. That's the intro. And that's a huge wrap there. That's a CV I can just continue to look at every day of my life. So yeah, I- great job on where you've been for sure. In terms of the entrepreneurial side, I hear what you said there, and I know you've connected with great entrepreneurs all over the world. And what do you think will be the three different biggest challenges from a performance marketing perspective? I know they have many problems. It's just the way it is. But from a marketing perspective, what would you think your top three or top four is? For performance marketing challenges? I think this is very easy. I think the first one is finding the right channel. Right. When it comes to performance marketing, there's so many channels. In fact, every content channel right now has an ads manager for people to run ads. So if you think about from Facebook to Snapchat to Spotify to Meta platforms to Twitter, every platform right, somehow has enabled to Twitter as well. 
and then of course go over and then there's a lot of programmatic they all have ways that people can actually reach the audiences of that channel so i think the very first one which can seem really simple is figuring out which is the best channel for me to actually use do i want to run performance marketing ads on linkedin or do i want to do that on twitter or do i want to do it on tiktok or do i want to do it on a meta platform i think that's a really big one and it differs per time because if you are a really big company, you have a really great marketing budget, you're able to experiment a lot, experiment really fast. Like you can say, hey, let's splodge $10,000 across all of these channels, find the one that works best, and then we can go hard on that. But if you're a small business, if you're an early state tech startup, when 10K is your entire marketing budget for the quarter, experimenting mm -hmm. across all of them and finding the best audiences then becomes a lot harder, right? So I think that's definitely difficult. I think another one is, targeting right it's one thing on the channel itself but i think another one is just targeting the right way because from platform to platform the way that you target differs the kind of targeting that a tiktok would have is different first time i went to run a tiktok campaign i was like oh okay this is interesting if i'm in uk i can't target some specific countries i can use this i need to use hashtags and that can really be different so when you have one business one brand one persona a couple of personas and oh once we define it in our marketing room and we know how we want to target, but by the time you start going from channel to channel, you realize you have to tweak it. The same way you would target for the same campaign on Google, display will be slightly different on Instagram, it will be different on Twitter, it will be different on demand generation for LinkedIn. So I think also that can be difficult. I think those are like two key challenges, right? Because before marketing is a very effective channel, it's direct response. When I think about direct response, I want to be able to know how much I spend and how much I get back and the value of that and be able to track at each point. Performance marketing is one of those channels that reign supreme. But then just making sure that you're getting the right channel, the right people, I think that can be a bit difficult. Yeah. The last thing you said there was what I was, and this is just a proof of what you do and why you do it and why you are so great. The product market fit is one of the most important because it, that determines these two things that you mentioned. And as stressful as it is, I still believe that it's a 75% strategy and 25% implementation, especially for startups in general, even enterprises as well. So thanks so much for that insight. Let's get into it right now. And I would like to put you on the spot. Is the press, PR, media, some people call them, or press media, a good vertical in terms of B2B content marketing? Yes, no, maybe, and why? It depends. Okay, that's maybe. <laughs> it depends. It's not a no. But it's not a hard yes, because when you just said everything is, you, you're a bit advocate of 75.5%, you could use press and you would not get any results. But you could use press and you will get a lot of results, also depending on timing. So I think that it can be a mix of both. But in the long term, in the long run, I think press is a really great part of your content marketing strategy. And I'll give two key reasons. Or maybe a couple of more, maybe more than two. We'll see how. No, no yeah. Um, no, the please, first one is SEO. Funny enough, I was speaking with someone today and we're talking about strategy for launching a B2C product. And we're talking, oh, do we want to do press? And I said, press might not be the, will not give the 10,000 users you want to acquire this month immediately. It's not that direct response channel that you just like, oh, speak to a bunch of people, be everywhere. And next thing you're getting downloads, it won't always happen like that. However, Press is really great for SEO and SEO is a direct response channel in the long term. So when people start, when you start doing all your different strategies, when you start running ads, performance marketing ads, you start doing influencer marketing, you start doing social media marketing, we start doing every other thing. People begin to know about you and people always go and search. For a lot of people, for a lot of brands, 
direct traffic on their Google Analytics is always more than 50% because people are going to search. Oh, sorry, organic traffic. And when people go search, they, when they see that you've been mentioned on this press platform and this media platform, it's just like, oh, okay, this is really good. And they easily click. So that SEO juice is really great. That's one. But two, it's also the reputation. In the, for instance, the Nigerian tech ecosystem, now whenever people have news, they want to get on TechCrunch because TechCrunch Africa is one of the biggest ones. People want to get on TechCrunch. They want to get on Business Insider. They want to get on Shop Africa. Because with my news, if, my, if it is the startup spotlight, if there's a feature on me on any of this platform, it reaches the right people, but it also builds my brand reputation. And that brand reputation helps with building brand equity. It helps with brand awareness. And in the long run, it helps with indirect acquisition for the businesses, whether you're B2C or B2B. So, and when it comes to B2B specifically, I think press is really important because you're trying to, you're trying to convert, not individuals, you're trying to convert decision makers at big companies, at small companies. These people are reading stuff, they're reading news. These people are looking for, oh, is this other company using them? Who are the people? How much money are there? Is they're even more particular about reputation than even individuals who use B2C product, right? Because individuals also want this convenient, is it easy? But a B2B client will think about a lot of things before they make that decision. And that reputation and brand equity that you get from spicing up your content strategy with press. And I say spicing up because it cannot be your entire content marketing strategy comes a long way in doing that. So my answer yeah. is this, maybe yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it depends. It's not, you don't run it in silos. I like what you said about reputation. I think PR is easy. We create reputation. And with startups, they are just building their reputation. So I would assume that the press is, yes, is one of those things to say, oh, here's a problem in the world and this company is here to solve it. Please use our product. But one thing that I think also, just to add to what you said, that also joins everything together or that forms a great basis is not just the product market fit there, but the value proposition, right? You are looking at the decision-making process of the customer in terms of B2B here. And seeing that if that PR is, or if that press, or if that press is connecting to that channel, yeah, maybe people can say one channel is better than the other. But at the end of the day, it's that unique value proposition. And I have a belief that press, what we see as press is changing, other than what you will see 10 years ago, when they will say, oh, okay, this brand is here. They just released this on so-so-so dates marketing manager speaks and then you have a small quote on what the marketing manager said and then you have a small appendix about the company very boring it's important to have a very interactive messaging that delivers unique value proposition but yeah great insight on those two points as well in terms of the scenarios you've mentioned some of them i won't lie so <laughs> maybe if you can just expand more on the best scenarios where you've seen press being a good tactic in B2B marketing strategies? I think it's reputation management. I think that has been the annual and announcement. So I'll talk about the two. One of them is okay. announcement, but the other one, and, and I think the most impactful one is reputation management. Just the way I was talking about the benefit of press is that it helps you build your brand reputation, but it's not just helping you build your reputation in the long term by feeding people with different news that you want. But also, even when there's crisis, even when something happens to your company, PR is the way to always go with managing conflicts, managing your reputation. That's a really great way to be able to cascade information. That's a really great way to say, hey, if we're talking not too nice things about the products, we can use press to overhaul that or overshadow all of that, those negative sentiments, right? So I think reputation meant is a great place where PR comes from, where press or press relations actually plays well for B2B companies. 
because you can't always just do internal communications and say, oh, yes, we're really good. And they'll be sent to our clients because we're a B2B company and for a lot of companies, really, it's not just about the customers that you have. It's about the customers that you also want to get. It's about when your sales director or your commercial director walks into a room to pitch to someone, they're like, oh, I think I saw you somewhere. Oh, you guys did this the other time. Oh, I saw that your CEO was featured here. Oh, I saw a news about this. I saw a feature. I saw an interview. I saw that you spoke at that event. That goes a long way in helping the salesperson to actually convert faster because, again, there's already been work done. So I think reputation management, building reputation and managing reputation, whether in terms of crisis or ahead of crisis or even near crisis never occurs, it's a very pleasant place that press plays. I didn't think the other one is also an announcement. When you launch new products, when you do a brand relaunch, when you fundraise a new round, when you acquire a new company, when you get acquired, when you have key milestones in your company, crisis becomes a really good way because the thing with B2B companies is that performance marketing works like demand generation or performance marketing as a form of demand generation works. But sometimes you don't, you're not just trying to target the decision makers, where which is what performance marketing does. You want to reach everybody. So even the consumers of yeah. the companies that you work with kind of know. So like a B2B2C strategy or B2C back to B strategy kind of works. And that's where leveraging on press to make those wide announcements that go really far that increases your brand mentions then really comes in handy. So I think those are two key scenarios that email marketing doesn't do as much. Content marketing on your blog doesn't have that reach. Performance marketing will not be the right format and it will feel like an ad, but press will feel like a story. And people will read a story, but people will not consume that ad. So that becomes like a really good point that people are like, oh, I'm learning about the founder. I'm learning about the milestones. I'm learning about the new, the key things that you guys are doing. I'm learning about the company in a way that feels a story, that it's a narrative, that's content I'm consumed, that's top leadership content, but it's not just an ad that I'm just promoting outside. Yeah, and that's awesome. You mentioned something there, thought leadership, and I would like to own in on that a little bit. I know that some brands or some companies or even individuals have taken this kind of approach, not just using the general PR text format, but actually appearing on media platforms like TV and radio and having this constant thought leadership piece that they provide. First, that they provide the thought leadership value, and then at the end of the day, their company comes second. I'm aware of an agency here in Western Canada that I've used that with a TV station called CTV. I also know an influencer in the UK called Flavilla Pongang that have also had some BBC specials on marketing and things like that. And with that, she's like the influencer for the company that she works for. But first, she had created that thought leadership piece. So are there any other approaches? I would like to call these approaches. So are there any other approaches aside from thought leadership, whereby you think brands can effectively communicate a good PR communication, regardless of the channel. So if I get your question correctly, you're asking what channels that you can use for PR that is not just press, or do you want to ask the question again? Yeah, so what I mean is that the kind of approach, so you talked about thought leadership, you talked about announcements, you talked about that, and then a mix of the media types. So maybe you could also dive a little deeper into the media types as well, and I think expatiate on how those work. So how effective is TV these days? How effective is digital TV or integrated TV these days? Effective is radio these days. Podcast is doing almost the same thing as radio. Incredible results on you meeting somebody and say, oh, I've learned about your podcast. Or sales trying to sell and meet a prospect and say, oh, yeah, I would like to work with you. I've heard your podcast and things like that. Okay, that makes sense. That's a good question. So if I break down, and I think you already answered the question a little bit when you started breaking them down. So the first one is when you think about press, 
there's retail press, right? So you think about blogs or you think about news sites. Sometimes people think call it blog. They feel like, oh, it's just like some people in the newsroom, but a Bloomberg can be as far as a blog, a CNN, they have their own website where people go read content, right? Say Forbes, all of these media brands have their blog. So I would say the blogs, first of all. And when you think about blogs, there are different niches. So for instance, I work in tech, so I'm very familiar with tech. And when I think about doing a press release, I'm always thinking, okay, what are the mainstream news sites or blogs that I want to connect? So for instance, it's going to be Nigeria. There's the mainstream think about business this day, Guardian, Vanguard. I want to be able to just reach everybody. Then I'm like, okay, let's go for like much more niche, the tech blog. So like, oh, Disrupt Africa, Tech About, mm-hmm. Tech Point, mm-hmm. um, Tech Nest. I say, okay, what about the lifestyle people? Sometimes one lifestyle. That's where platforms like Zikoko come in handy or Quackstick will come in handy. So depending on what you want to do, there are different niches. And then you have to also decide, okay, how do I want to cascade my content across these different niches so we can reach the right kind of people in the right mix, right? But that's really box. And then you now have to come to, okay, beyond that, just websites and written articles, all other form of media exists. There's radio, like you rightly said. Do we want to just have a jingle? Do we want to go on a media tour? Do we want to do interviews of our founder? What would that look like? Are these specific shows or specific radio stations that work? And that's how to make media or any marketing work, not just going to any show, but finding the specific ones and say, hey, I know that my audience listens to that show. I know that my audience listens to that's where it comes in handy. And then the other side of radio is then podcast. So people are not just listening to a radio station when they're driving in, or people are listening to podcasts. So if I went to do something in marketing and I'm targeting chief marketing officers, I would think about the Dot Leadership Podcast. Because I'm like, the people who listen to this are CMOs and marketing leaders. If I wanted to meet someone for a dating app, I would go to maybe I said what I said and just reach out to people who are just vibing, right? But that's a channel that works, that's a media channel that works. So there's radio on the traditional mainstream part, there's podcasts when you think about the digital aspect of it. And then you now think about, okay, but there's TV. So, and, and or rather, there's video. Let me say mm-hmm. with video. So we've done text, yeah. we've done audio, then there's video. And yeah. video then has YouTube. And then from YouTube, then you know you have TV, right? With YouTube, you also do the same thing you're doing podcasts. What kind of channels do I want advertising? What kind of, of content are they creating? How does that connect to my to the product that I'm selling? What kind of pe- what kind of channels are the CEOs and CTOs listening to or watching rather on YouTube? And then it's like, okay, let's do TV. What shows are on TV? There's DSTV, there's CNTV, SBC, there's many, there's African Magic, there's Showmax as a channel. Lots of these shows that or that or news platforms that you can then decide that you want to advertise on. In Nigeria, when there's big work in Nigeria, you see a lot of people, you see a lot of brands from B2B brands like Flutterwave to B2C brands like Piggy Vest and Patricia advertising on Big Brother. And that's TV, right? You see other people mm-hmm. doing stuff on or they take about has a CNBC show, the next wave. You see brands advertising mm-hmm. on that show as well. So it, there are many platforms. And I wouldn't say that there's one that works best. I think the one yeah. that works best with any marketing. Depends on your objective, depends on your product, depends on your audience. It wouldn't depend on time, seasonalities. Exactly. The thing with marketers is, I can't just say that this has worked last year, yeah. again today. Something's yeah. going to happen, but that's the fun as well, experimenting. But the yeah. best media strategies, and this is not just press. In this case, we're talking about media, not press. The best media strategy is one that cuts across different formats, video, audio, text, own channels. Yeah and end channels and yeah. paid channels. The ones that are yeah. like, hey, let's collaborate, let's partner, let me create content with you. The ones that, oh, let's do co-marketing and the ones that, oh, we already created this content, just post it as an ad on top of yeah. this. And the ones that's our own channel and say, hey, we want to create our own content, right? You work in a company and say, oh, let's do a podcast that yeah. I'm going to host for this company. So yeah. that's basically how we think about it. 
Yeah. And that's awesome, listeners. If you catch that well-loaded response there, I think there's a lot to unpack. But I think the first thing that Peace mentioned there is details around strategy. There are so many things. The pandemic has skewed ad scheduling for many verticals and so on and so forth. But the truth is that it might be a painful process, the strategic process, but it's always worth it. It's at the end of the day, the results will just sell itself. The second thing she said, listeners, is that if you are listening to the Marketing Leadership Podcast, please subscribe, okay? Your head, please. <laughs> subscribe, okay? So when it comes to the strategy part, let's just dive deep into that into our next question here. The key is don't burn money. I think people still burn money. Maybe not, this, even the startups still burn money. But the enterprises, it happens way more because there's so much capital being available. So how do you think people should properly use their budgets? I think you've touched on this at the very beginning as well with the $10,000 analogy. But are there any other ideas you have in the sense of how to properly use a PR budget that is as best as possible to deliver some sort of an ROI within a specific period? I would say do as much as you can. Intensity helps with press. And intensity is not just the amount of which or of sites that you're able to get featured on at a time, but how closely you're able to do press release campaigns. The best PR campaigns I have seen happen at the same time. In fact, people realize this is PR, but they like I'm buying into it because all of a sudden, and when I say PR, it's not like a bad thing. It's like even when movies come, and next thing you know, you're seeing the actors on every show, on every show advertising, on every show, because that intends to be on top of mind. By the time they're done, people still remember them. It's like when Creed recently came out, and this thing, I think it's Jonathan Mayors as his name, he's on every channel, people are just talking about him. And even when Chris started going down on cinemas, people still remember these people. And that's how actors are able to survive, because they don't always do movies back to back, but then they release a really good movie, they do a lot of press, you have a lot of content that, Two years down the line, people are still going to crop and reference something that they say, but then they're just chilling and they come back and do that. So it's not just intensity in town in oh, this one announcement, how many I can reach at a time, but how often can I get people to remember us? So if we do something this week, let's do something in two weeks. Let's do something in three weeks. Let's do something this month, next month, the other month. So it feels organic enough that people are not just spammed and they're not reading all the content. But it's enough for people to remember us. Because again, remember at the beginning when I mentioned what's important to press is brand awareness, it's brand reputation. It's people being able to remember and see you and then go type your name on Google search and then go to your website. So you want that and you want to be able to creep into people's minds subtly. So that's my first recommendation. Like when you do it, build the intensity, not just in terms of, oh, let's spend all our press budgets this week. But if you have a press budget, spread it out for the quarter in a cadence that you almost have something, you're there. One of the things I'm doing now is like my, one of my goals is to make sure that we have one press feature every month. And I'm not rushing to, I'm not trying to get 10 in one month. I'm trying to say, hey, get on this blog today. The next month we get here, the next month we get here, people are seeing us here, they're seeing us here, they're seeing us here. Over time, it just really starts in their mind that Smile is a really great brand because they've been seeing us everywhere for the last couple of months. I think the other one too is, just also spread it across a different kinds of sites. I would not say concentrate on just one media platform. Experiment with different formats, but also experiment with different niche. So it's not just experimenting with text, video, audio, but also how you experiment with the niches, how you experiment with, for instance, again, in context of the industry that I work with tech, mainstream, we want to do lifestyle, sprinkle here. We want to do English and want to do francophone and just sprinkle it around because then you actually reach different people because even though 
but means that you're selling to marketers. Yes, I would read tech blogs and I would listen to marketing leadership podcasts, but I also listen to things just for fun. I also listen to things for hardcore news. So I'm still going to be in those places or somebody else would read that. I remember that is relevant to me and come to me. So also spread it across different niches. So you're actually making sure that you're reaching as many people as possible. And then don't be afraid to experiment. Just because one media house is working for you doesn't mean that you shouldn't try the other ones. And sometimes you're looking for not just the most popular media platforms, you're looking for the ones that have the most impact, the ones that have the most SEO rankings. I found that. Yeah, engagement. The ones that have the most popular names are not always the ones that were ranked first when you go on Google search and search this announcement. They're not the ones that will have the most retweets. So you want to also balance between, oh, we got featured on this platform because A, it's a big brand, but then we also got featured on this platform that helps us rank higher and also that has a lot of engagement that gives us backlinks or website visits on our channel. Yeah, I like that last point there in terms of don't look for popularity. I would say 99% still make that mistake. Look for popularity, look for where there's great rankings, great engagement. And when it comes to that category or subcategory, they can still dominate that category. So that's the really great one there. Something else I wanted to get your thoughts on here. Imagine podcast platform from a marketing perspective, and I'll tell you why. Podcast being used as a press tool or has been becoming popular of late, especially by enterprises, or even for the startups and mid-sized businesses, is also being used as an ABM tool for those who know how to do that very well. Shameless plug, check out contentalliance.com. However, in terms of promoting that piece of PR, podcast PR, there is a need for some sort of push. Sometimes the content doesn't just move itself. Just like with every other podcast platform, there's a play to pay to play perspective to it. So from your experience, have you seen companies promoting podcast episodes that are maybe PR related? I'm part of another company, founding employee called Listen Network, where we are looking at innovative ways of boosting podcasts and having some sort of an ad strategy around that, different from what others do, Spotify has, for example. So from your experience, have you seen anything like that from the organic side and the paid, most especially the paid side, actually? I'd like to get your thoughts on companies using paid media to boost very specific press episodes, for example, on podcasts. Yeah, I think that a lot of companies are beginning to sponsor podcasts. That's like the first direct question because podcasts as a format, podcasts as a media channel is growing a lot in different niches and it's getting a lot of listeners. And wherever listeners are, wherever audience is, marketers run there. It's, that's just yeah, what it is. So the more podcasts grow, the more a lot of brands are beginning to do that. It's the same way that a lot of brands are also beginning to sponsor newsletters because again, this newsletter is having 10,000 of me offer subscribers, 100,000 subscribers. I want to be in that article when they're reading the next issue. Same thing with podcasts. I've seen a lot of B2B brands. One of the popular podcasts in Nigeria, for instance, is I said what I said. Whenever they're having live shows or even within their normal episodes, they get brand sponsorship from both B2B and B2C brands. So that's really an example. And I know that brands do not just keep sponsoring something if they're not getting something from it, even if it's just brand awareness and reputation. So I see that a lot. And the other part of it is that I see and I recommend that if you do something that, say for instance, I feature on this podcast and the episode comes out really nice, I want my people to see it. I would sponsor it if I wanted to. So when you put your executives or media tours and they do stuff, you see brands going back to say, hey, let's promote it because this particular interview was really good. There was something he said here, let's clip, cut it out and put it out of the clip and put it on our LinkedIn. 
let's add it on our internal newsletter and just keep posting that content. So it was from this channel as a guest, something they shifted, but they've been able to reuse it over and over and over again. So the answer to your question is yes. I think there are a lot more sponsorships, opportunities for podcasters. And with everything, is the more your audience grows, the more sponsorship grows for you. We've seen the same trend of YouTubers. The more your supplier go, the more brands come find you. TikTokers are doing the same thing. Instagram influencers have done the same thing. Newsletter owners are doing the same thing. Blog are doing the same thing. Now, podcasters have that opportunity as well because, again, once yeah. you have the audience, marketers and businesses come. And as long as your podcast is in the industry that the B2B company or B2B companies or their decision makers listen to, then we find that more B2B companies will begin to actually sponsor that. Yeah, and that is awesome. You're absolutely correct on, also on those insights there. Just moving forward here, do you have any unconventional, is what I would like to use, best practices? And you can respond to this from a case study. Maybe you've seen a startup, a tech startup that really executed a very good PR strategy. But by looking at that case study, you could say, wow, this was very creative. I know some small companies could use PR stunts, for example, and so on and so forth. Is there a case study you'd like to share with us? And what are some of the things that they did that led to the big KPIs we want? Acquisition, adoption, revenue, and so on. Yeah, I don't unfortunately have a specific case study for you. But I have a few things that I've seen that have just worked across different brands. And I think is one, leveraging people as form of media. It's not just channels. Because you would see, for instance, if people think about your channel or your podcast, they would think about all your podcasts. But they don't think about the reputation that you have at a podcast host as well and how they can leverage that on its own, inclusive of the channel or what a podcast is. So I've seen a lot of people say, who oh, I want to use, I don't want to just advertise on this channel. I want to use the influencer. You're coming for an event, coming for a tour for our office to do photography there. We kind of embed you into the brand. So it looks like what you're doing is a lot more organic, but again, it's, it's a paid content. I've seen something else that I've seen that works is it's not just writing a press release and distributing it on paying websites to put it or pitch into them. It's getting the writers to write it from their own perspective. When you have a news, I say, this is the brief. Do you want to do an interview? And let them write. Those are the articles of the press campaigns that do the best because then you have multiple perspectives on the same story. And somebody's not just reading the exact same thing on 100 blogs. They're reading, oh, this is different. This is an insight I didn't think about. This is an insight I didn't think about. That usually looks very organic and has a lot more traction than just distributed press release. And across the entire internet, it's exactly the same thing on every blog. That might not always be the easiest thing to pull off because you might need relationships with the, with the writers. Sometimes you might have to actually pay them specifically so you just write this article and do the interview. But that's always have a balance between, oh, we're pushing out our press release, but we're also getting specific people to write from their peer, especially if they are interested and they understand our business model and they're interested and they understand the industry. I think those are the two key things that worked. And also just leveraging individual influencers. They don't even need to have their own media channel of a podcast or YouTube channel or a newsletter. But if you have a community, they have a community on Instagram. They are very respected in the ecosystem. Because again, B2B is very people-oriented. It's about referrals, it's yeah. about word of mouth, it's about community. It's about people who go to events, it's about networking. So when you have key ecosystem enablers, you can never use people as influencers and say, hey, help me get a couple of referrals. Talk about us a little bit. Let's do it. Host a Twitter space for us. Let's do this together and just leverage that person's personal brand new perspective of the fact that you don't create a specific kind of content for an audience. I think those are the three key things that I've seen that have worked. Yeah, and those are very creative as well. The macro influence aspect is something that people still underestimate even after so many years. But I'm really glad that you mentioned that along with all the other tips as well, which is again, very, very awesome. 
it's been an honor, to be honest. It's been an honor listening to you, having all this wisdom and valuable insights from your experience with regards to how press can be good for B2B content marketing. And yeah, I know you've been there and done that. And I am very loyal. Where can our listeners, I've probably not heard about you, find peace in me? Everywhere. I'm too much on the internet, unfortunately. Yes, if you search for PCTMI, P-A-C-E-I-T-I-M-I, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, even just add a .com in there, you will find me too active on the internet. Great. You heard that, guys, and I'm sure you enjoyed this. That's all for today. Thanks for listening, and see more episodes on my website, dotlovesmarketing.com, and subscribe to the Marketing Leadership Podcast on Apple and Spotify. The next episode, connect the dots. Thank you for listening to the Marketing Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. There will be links to any resources mentioned in today's show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. 